This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by Sales Fuel Coach, our adaptive sales coaching featuring five-minute quick coaching personalized to each sales rep. Learn more about Sales Fuel Coach at salesfuel.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. You're in for a treat today. Our guest today, Teresa Rose. I've never met anybody like this, Lee. She's a business motivational speaker. She's an author. She's a content development coach, stand-up comedian. Stand-up comedian, yeah. I mean, like, what a combo. She's doing this with her shoulders. Like, yeah, Yeah, that's that's it. That's right. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. She's our guest today on the Manage Smarter Podcast. Welcome, everyone. I'm Audrey Strong. I'm the Vice President of Communications here at Sales Fuel. And I'm C. Lee Smith, the President and CEO of Sales Fuel. Yeah, we met Teresa at the C-Suite Network Conference in New York. Yeah, and then we saw her again in San Francisco, a delightful individual. Hi, Teresa. Hello. How are you both? We're great. We're now that you're here. Excellent. (laughs) Excellent. So everybody, Teresa Rose, okay, TeresaRose.com is the website, a mindful performance specialist. She works with and speaks to organizations and their people so they may show up more fully, connect more deeply, and deliver more powerfully at work and at home and all day long. Like I said, she's a speaker, content development coach, stand-up comedian, and award-winning author. The book, you've got to get this, Mindful for Performance, How to Powerfully Impact Profitability, Productivity, and Purpose. And you signed a book for me, Teresa. It says, Nail Every Performance. So we shall try to do that with you today. Yes, let's try today. May the podcast gods be with us today. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. My people that I work with and interact with in business where I give mindless performances. So I want to... Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that, Lee, because part of what I do, uh, you know, in addition to being a keynote speaker, what I also do is just corporate comedy. So a lot of times what I'll do is if a a client hires me for an opening keynote, what I will do is I'll go in the night before and I'll do 30 minutes of comedy. And my program is actually called Mindless Performances. And I I do a take on the opposite of what we really should be doing when we're showing up to be as as mindful as possible. And that's where the hilarity ensues. Well, what what does that sound? like Teresa well you'll have to hire me Lee and I'll okay. I was gonna you do know, that as a, anyway I was as, gonna a stand-up, do. as a stand-up comedian you know I have a lot of people that will say uh tell me a joke no matter where I am you know, and, I'll, and I'll say yeah well the joke is my dating record and if you want to know anymore <laughs> you'll have to pay me for it <laughs> <laughs> she knows her worth there's value in good laughter you got that right more but, funny more money so for, there's a lot of talk about mindfulness and a lot of people and a lot of our listeners might be like, well, I'm, you know, leadership team and I'm keeping track of a thousand things. Therefore, I'm mindful and I'm on top of all this. So I just don't know what you're talking about. So what is your version of mindfulness? Uh, well, mindful is definitely different than busy. Uh, so mm-hmm. my definition of mindfulness is paying attention to what's going on, uh, being aware of yourself, what's going on inside yourself and all around you, your surroundings, and then making conscious choices. Conscious, you're making a deliberate choice to do something. That's what I see as mindful. Boy, the, the self-awareness part is something I see absent in so many people these days. They can spot it in somebody else, but uh, being oh, yeah. able to see it in themselves and see what, what they're doing and how they're being uh, presented to other people, they just don't get it. So what, you know, what can we do about those, those people? 
You mean besides <laughs> slap them with a cosmic two by four? Uh, <laughs> you know, what can you do? Well, here's what I, I personally just suggest is don't worry about changing anybody else because that's, you know, surrender, Dorothy. You're never going to make it. So it's really about yourself, committing to yourself. If you look at your life and you say, I don't like how it's, how it's showing up, whether it's, I don't like how my business is showing up. I don't know. I don't like how my relationships are showing up, my health, whatever it is my level of happiness intrinsically, if you are not, if you are less than satisfied in any of those areas in your life, it's really about looking within and what can you do to start to show up better. Don't worry about everybody else. And the way that you can then ultimately affect them is when you show up in a more present way with each other, with, with the people in your life, when you're actually there, <laughs> you know, listening, paying attention to them, focusing, being aware of your surroundings, they start to change around you too. So, you know, that's the ripple effect is if we really do want to change our cultures, whether it's our family culture or our community culture or our corporate culture, start working on yourself. So that's, that's the thing I tell leaders. It's like, stop trying to push this off onto HR or the supervisors or the frontline managers and think that they're going to try to change your culture. The reality is it starts from the top. It starts all around in every single position. That's how you start to change. And, and model that behavior so that they can exactly. actually see that you're taking it seriously. And then they'll take a cue from that and then, then straighten up a little bit on their own. Totally. I mean, how many times have you seen uh, training going on in corporations and you know darn well that the C-suite levels, they're not even supporting this. They're not doing anything about it. They're Do not even really in the room. They're not in the room. Exactly. And so it's like a, a parent and a child. The child isn't going to listen to what you say when they do what they do. They're gonna watch what you do, mm -hmm. regardless of the happy talk you might be spewing, and it's the same in our corporate culture. You say there are nine key areas of impact to focus on to fundamentally up-level your performance yeah. at work and at home, and the, thereby being happier overall. Obviously, yeah. don't give us all nine, but would you share one or two of them? Um, I would I, actually. I, I, I love sharing all nine of them just really quickly because they're really <laughs> okay. they're really relevant. You know, it's it's about movement. How do we move our bodies in space and time, making sure we're utilizing our energy as best we can? Meditation. How can we quiet our minds, still our thoughts, so we can ex execute that executive level functioning? Manifestations. Are we clear about what we want and how we're going to get there? Putting those project management tools in place. Number four, meetings. The collaborations that we have with each other. The connections that we have with each other? Are we being as mindful as possible in each one of those interactions? Mentors and masterminds, the people that we learn from, that we lean into, that we that we that are supporting us because nobody does anything alone. So it's about building of relationship. Messages, the words we use and how we use them. It's not good enough just to know what you're doing. You have to be able to communicate that in an effective, respectful way that's understood. The messes that we have in our lives, the physical messes when we get are out of control with our space and and the, the interpersonal messes, the conflicts that we have within each other that are half complete. And the media, our relationship with those digital devices and how much time gets sucked away from those things. And then finally, meals and Zs, what we eat, how we sleep. If we are falling apart, our vehicles are falling apart, none of the other stuff even matters. So those are the nine areas of mindfulness that I address not only in my, my presentations, my keynote presentations, but also in my book and my podcast. Which one of those nine would you say is the most important or maybe the linchpin that causes yeah. the other ones that, that fall into place? You know, fall apart. That's, that's a great question. And it's hard for me to say because there's a couple that really pop up. The number one is meals and Z's. I mean, if, if you feel terrible. We all know this. If we are falling apart physically, we are not getting the sleep that we need. We're just not showing up. We're at 40%. You're, you're hanging. Exactly. Angry. All day long. You're tired and you're hungry. 
you're not going to show up and make better choices. But second, close underneath that would be meditation. Get control of your thoughts, your mind. Be able to still your mind because as the world gets more chaotic and crazier and louder and wilder and weirder, you must have the ability to be able to quiet your thoughts, still your mind so you can stay centered and present. Yeah, weirder is right. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, it, but so it seems almost overwhelming, all nine of these and basically every mm-hmm. asset, uh, aspect of an individual's life. Is there, I mean, uh, to me, what I hear is you're saying, I got to ramp up my energy level to be mindful all day in all things. Heck yeah. Uh, you can't just yeah, be mindful okay. for a period of time. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a way of being. It's not an exercise. Uh, certainly, there are meditation exercises you can do, and there's movement exercises you can do. But it's about a mindset, and it's about a commitment to a way of being, which is awake and alert and uh, aware of the people around you and yourself, and the choices that you make, and the ripples effect. So. To me, and I just want to say, you know, my book, why I wrote it like this is I i have been studying this stuff for 20 years. I live this. I help other people with it. Uh, you know, I owned an alternative healing center before I became a speaker. So it's, it's very near and dear to my heart. And what I kept hearing is once people started to get that mindfulness was actually legitimate and it wasn't just seventh layer of the unicorn tree hugging, dirt eating <laughs> granola worshipers, that it's a real thing because they started to see it on LinkedIn where they see, you know, leaders of, of top industries, top Fortune 100 companies. They are the ones that are utilizing mindfulness and are premier athletes and the entertainers that we love and adore and the PTSD sufferers are using it and kids are using it to replace you know punishment with you know when there's a poor behavior it's they knew they could they needed it I no longer need to sell the idea of mindfulness everybody knows they need it but they don't know how they don't know how so I took it upon myself to say just write everything strategy you know for the last 20 years on how to do this stuff and that's where this book came from. So do I expect everybody to be able to do 81 strategies in one day? Of course not. And this is a recipe book that shows you what you can actually do to start incorporating these things one strategy at a time. Can you have emotional intelligence without being mindful? No. Yeah. Of course not. That's what I, I mean, expected, yeah. The, the whole notion is, you know, because being mindful is about paying attention and the only way that you are emotionally intelligent to pay attention to the signs and listen to the language and watch their energy and all that, the only way you can do that is if you're paying attention. I, I love the book because it has a lot of, you know, mixed up fonts and it's easy to read and it's, it's fun to take sections. The one section I really like was spewer versus doer. I think we yeah. can all say that social media can really take a lot of uh, wasteful energy directed yes. toward it. And it also it can be an emotional drain if you covet what other people's feeds show or you feel less than, you know, right that kind of thing. Can you explain spewer versus doer? Because I think I was guilty in, when I was younger and less wise of being a spewer, and now I like to just be a doer. Right. Well, everybody knows if you just think about it, and, and, and Facebook, I just use it as an example because that's my primary sure. uh, chasm of distraction. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I speak of that, but it's with everybody and, and you'll know it instantly. And you start to get to, uh, to notice that people have patterns. Uh, a Facebook spewer, a social media spewer is, and another thing, 
this is another thing that's wrong. And this is another thing that's wrong. And I hated this. And did anybody, I have a terrible review of this restaurant and I'll never have that happen again. That's a spewer. You always know that they have occasional little, sounds like you know, a sewer actually <laughs> forced pictures of, you know, smiles, but mostly they're, they're spewers. And then there's people that are doers. I went and I did this and I was at this place and I experienced this thing and I had this, even this great meal. And here I am doing something in, you know, to live life, to be a positive, a participant in their own life. And for me, that's like, ask yourself. And sometimes I am a Facebook spewer. I try not to be, but sometimes I do that. I get pulled in and ask yourself, cause here's the thing. Those are, if you have a lot of spewers on your feed, you're taking that information in, you know, it's like mm -hmm. watching a television show. If you're going to watch blood and guts, gore stuff all the time, it's not going to help you get a good night's sleep. And so the same holds true as if you're feeding your brain with a bunch of Facebook spewers about how terrible everything is and how awful life is and how we're not in control of our own feelings, then you're going to start to feel that way because that's the media you are taking in. Can I make an admission? People like that, I hide their, I keep them as a Facebook friend and check in when I want, but I oh. hide their feed. I just like, I can't take this anymore. Yeah, see, now that's even more, what you just said is really important. It's not just that you are hiding them, but part of our, our, our uh, business, our economics now is there is no separation of this is only my personal life and this is only my business life or, you know, professional life. That's, it's just not the way it is. And so if you hide me, Audrey, because I'm a spewer, you are not ever going to think of me when the perfect opportunity comes along and somebody says, you know, we were looking for doing some comedy the night before our big presentation. You may not think of Teresa Rose because I'm hidden. You don't even see all the good stuff that I've been doing because you don't, want to take that message in. Right. That's true. I, I need a sense too, when you talk about the, the nine M's of mindfulness, that uh, it, it's not just showing up at work. I'm going to show up at work and now I'm going to be mindful. Like as you were talking about, there's no separation between the personal and, and, and the work life. So you, the mild, mindfulness really has to start from the moment your feet hit the floor you know, in the morning when the alarm clock goes off. Is that right? Actually, I would say before that, <laughs> I say that you become mindful the second you become conscious. Uh, and, and it really is about even, you know, people that are saying, I don't have time to, which is always the excuse. I don't have time to do this. It's like, no, you, you have 10 minutes when you're sitting, you're laying in bed and you are figuring out, okay, you know, I want to wait a little longer, wait a little longer, wait a little longer before I get out of bed. What are you doing with those five, 10, 15 minutes? You can start to be mindful and start to prepave your day. You can mentally prepave your day. You can start to uh, infuse your mindset with serotonin, with gratitude. There's lots of things you can do to be mindful before you even put your feet on the ground. I want to loop back to something that Audrey was saying. So Audrey was talking about Facebook. So if you're a doer, I mean, how do you protect yourself and your attitude and your mindset then from the skewers when it's not Facebook? Now, now we're in the work environment yep, and yep. you're dealing with your direct reports or your indirect reports or something like that. And you know, they're dumping on you or something like that. What can you do as a manager then to, to one, protect yourself and, and two, perhaps change their mindsets? Uh, well, before even protecting yourself and changing your mind, their mindsets, the first thing would be, would be to establish a very uh, uh, consistent and solid mindfulness program for yourself. 
So are you getting up every morning and moving your body at least enough so you don't, so you feel good? Are you spending some time in meditation to quiet your mind and still your mind so you can be more focused at work? Are you eating healthy breakfast or are you scarfing something from McDonald's? Are you doing, I mean, so the first step of a leader is to actually start to uh, strengthen your, 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 body, strengthen your mind, strengthen your spirit, strengthen your ability to stay grounded and centered amidst craziness, okay? Because that will sort of protect you by not letting things get to you, right? So those are the things that really are the key. And then once that, what I would recommend is that you start socializing these kinds of things with, because believe me, people are feeling the same. Everybody's feeling the same way. Everybody's overwhelmed, super stressed out you know, got too much stuff going on, distracted, lack of focus, they're negative, they're surrounded, their Facebook feed looks the same way. So, you know, start doing it within, practice those things within, and then start putting a plan in place that you can actually socialize with your team, get them trained up on it, have practice times for it, maybe even have you know, uh, portions of the, of the week, one portion of the week where you have it and you just start to talk about those things and you do some quiet time and you figure, let them start to practice these things. And then once that starts to happen, their mood will naturally change. I mean, you don't need a whole lot of, you know, super angry, uh, Buddhist monks, you know, you, <laughs> most I've of the never time, actually seen one of those. <laughs> what does that look like? No, <laughs> they're pretty chill dudes. So, um, you know, it, it, that, the idea is to, uh, you know, you can change your culture first by changing it from within and then instituting these practices and, and offering these practices. So your employees are happier too. Well, Lee is big on saying, you know, you, you can't fix it unless you own it. Right. So, yeah. you know, is this a more kinder, gentler way um, of educating your team on, you know, looking at maybe what they've been posting in a different way? Wow, that really does sound kind of not so great. Maybe I, I'll, you know what, I'm not, yeah. I'm not a big fan of that kind of stuff because, um, you know, the last thing that you want to do is kind of go backwards or make them feel shame or feel, you know, uh, that they're being violated in some way from a privacy perspective or being policed in some way. It's really about changing the culture from a positive to a positive place. Mm -hmm. And okay. what will happen is if you start doing these very important, I mean, these are fundamental practices. Every part of their life will start to change, including their posts. They're going to be happier that A, they're going to feel better. B, they're going to communicate better with the people that they love. You know, they're, they're going to be able to weather the storms, the many, many storms that we have. And they're fundamentally, those posts will change because they'll, they're just offshoots of what we've how we believe, you know, what we believe, what we, what we value. I try to put out there good things because even if I don't feel good, I, I, I want to feel good. And so that wanting to feel good is like, I know the very first step of that is for me to present myself as good. You know, my mom used to say, fake it till you make it. And, and sometimes that's what we need to do. Well, sometimes though, you do have to use an example though, from the, from recent history though, you know, when you're correcting behavior and be able to say, okay, when this happened or whatever, this made people feel this way. Yeah. Instead, try, why not try this? Right, uh, right. Right. So, yeah. It, and in a one-on-one -on -one capacity, absolutely, that's yes. appropriate. Yeah. Never publicly. No. Not yeah. a group situation. Right. Yeah. That's Got what it. I was. I, that's what I had understood your question to be. I'm sorry, yeah. Audrey. I, I thought it was a group thing, but yes, one-on-one, -on -one, absolutely. Coaching, you can give them specific. In fact, I favor specifics uh, because specifics you can really see, and it doesn't turn into opinion. It doesn't turn into he doesn't like me or she doesn't like me. It's right there, right in black and white. 
Got it. We've got just a few minutes left. Mindfulness is also part of being a good stand-up comedian and being a better speaker. Do you want to talk about that for a second? Well, I, it just as you know, some of the coaching that I do, I, I work with speakers on helping them crystallize their message. So what is, you know, being really clear about what you're, what you're speaking on. But the other part about it is the audience. Speakers forget about the audience. You know, uh, let's create something that is a dialogue as opposed to just a monologue. And in order to have it be a dialogue and be really in tune with the conversation that you're creating every single time, you need to be present with them. You need to be able to, to uh, be skilled at being an intensive listener and, and noticing the room and recognizing where things light up. So that's what I mean by that is that the more present you can get, because I don't know about you, but I've seen enough speakers that are on autopilot. You know, mm -hmm. they just do the mm -hmm. same jokes at the same time. And it's, mm -hmm. here's the, you know, requisite tearjerker moment. And it's like, please, ho-hum. Nobody cares. They, cause they can feel that there's nothing there. They don't feel the energy. They don't feel the heart. They don't feel the spirit. And that's where a mind, when you come from a mindful perspective, that's where that juju is. That's where that energy is that the audience crave. So Teresa, what's the last thing you put in your purse? <laughs> uh, wow. It depends wow. on the nightly. You want to be a <laughs> no, it's like you did this exercise for yeah. us in New York or whatever. Yes, we all yes. were around the room and we right. had to, you right. watch. That was a fun, fun exercise we did at the C-Suite Network. I can um, answer that. I had just an, an acid tablet I took just before <laughs> the show. I'll be honest with you. One of the last things that I usually put in before is a post-it note uh, uh -huh. of, of what my, like a stand-up set or um, a keynote I'm going to do or anything like that. I can usually put it on a post-it note. So that's usually the last thing I put in my purse. Well, what was great about the exercise for those people that have no idea what the hell I'm talking about, uh, <laughs> yeah. which is just about everybody, <laughs> which would be, it's like if we went around the room and, and we did like a little rhyming thing where I'm, I'm, I'm going to put some weed in my purse or I'm going to, I'm going to put a deed in my purse or something like that. Yes, yes. And we, and we all went around the room and we all had to come up with something that kind of rhymed or something like that with, yep, yep. You know, with that. And what was kind of cool about it, it was fun. Uh, but it was, what was fun about it was like, then we all tried to come up with something clever or funny or something like that. But then it was, uh, it was audience participation. It was a great icebreaker. And it's exactly what you're talking about as fact that, that we raised the energy of the room and Definitely. we got everybody involved. And so it, it wasn't just like, oh, let's sit down and listen to, to, to Teresa drone on for 30 minutes or something yeah. like that. It, it, you know, it, it brought the energy and, and got people in, in, engaged. But here's the key. The key is it has to be meaningful play. So when we were talking about purse, purse, in my purse, I'm going to put it in my purse. It's, it was about what other ways can you look at yourself and the gifts, talents, and services and products that you have and look at them in a different way, right? So while we were still being fun and engaging, it, it was still about how can that particular audience leverage their skills in, in ways they haven't thought of before. Yeah, it was terrific. And, and I encourage everyone to please hire this woman for a stand-up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we were in the room. It was fun. It's her podcast. I did not mention the podcast. You're a fellow podcaster on the C-Suite Radio Network, Mindful Performances. So if you want to learn more about this, get the book off her website, TeresaRose.com. But also, um, you, the podcast is a great tool as well. Yes. Yes. I go, uh, through one, I go through one strategy every single episode there you go. and really do a deeper dive. And it's fun, too. Hey, yeah. who's your favorite comedian? Oh, boy. My favorite comedian is John Mulaney. Oh, my gosh. John really? Mulaney. Oh, oh he's, he's a bit of a, he's not one of your top, I don't want to say that. He is top tier in my life. But uh, he's a 
not a household name yet, but he will be. And uh, I just love his, he's an intelligent, very, very, very sharp uh, comedian. So he's my Would favorite. you say he's mindful? I would say he's very mindful for at least what I've seen. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> check him out. Yeah, he's fantastic. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thanks, Teresa. Everybody, please subscribe, rate, and review the Manage Smarter Podcast. Teresa, send it to everybody you've ever met in your entire life and help us I out. I sure will. I absolutely <laughs> will. And uh, everybody, just uh, please spread the word. Help us uh, make the podcast more popular. And please check out Teresa's as well. It's been a pleasure yeah. having you on the show. Thanks Thank a lot. Thank you both. I appreciate it. I hope Great you have a wonderful you, day. Teresa. Yes. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.